0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate groot and I will be your host. Today, we're going to unpack the Zero-G strategy and just check in on how the strategy performed this past season. But before we get into that, if you're listening to this and you haven't joined the Apples and Genos Discord server yet, uh, what are you doing? Link is in the show description. It's absolutely free. Come chat with hundreds of other very knowledgeable fantasy hockey managers in there, including myself. So now you've got no excuse. But let's dive into Zero-G here. First off, I want to give a short recap. Uh, You can go back in this podcast, go back to all the way to episode two of this podcast, and I went over Zero-G in that episode. I'll just kind of recap the basics here. So I started Zero-G, just kind of had this basic knowledge that goalies are stupid, They're very unpredictable, they get hot, they get cold, and there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. So I had naturally faded goalies in fantasy hockey for quite some time, but I'd never really kind of put any studies to it or math or whatever you want to call it. No real reason behind it other than I just kind of knew that goalies are unpredictable. So after the 2021 season, I did a little bit of a study and I tried to kind of quantify this um, unpredictability so i compared the top 14 goalies by adp that's average draft position to the next 14 goalies so goalies selected number 15 through number 28 and the average finish was actually higher for the second group than the first uh, in a yahoo categories league when i compared the two so to say it again the top 14 goalies by adp finish the season worse off on average than the next 14 goalies after the 2021 season. So obviously, why would you spend a pick on a top 14 goalie when the next 14 goalies kind of do the same job for you in terms of uh, end of season finish? So that was kind of the uh, conclusion, I guess you would say, of my original zero-G study. Um, As I kind of matured the, the theory behind it, And the rest of it, I uh, kind of wrote down a bunch of benefits that I see to the theory as well. So one being, you don't end up holding goalies that you picked really highly for too long. Um, In the 2021 season, we had Carter Hart, who was selected very highly but utterly tanked. This past season, we've had Robin Leonard, um, similar scenario. So... A lot of people ended up hanging on to these goalies, thinking that they would eventually turn it around, they would turn it around, they would turn it around. Meanwhile, they're actively hurting uh, your roster. So if you go with the zero-G strategy, obviously you're not spending high draft capital on these goalies. You're not feeling like you're forced to carry these goalies longer than you should be. And goalies are streaky. So you can just run with the hot goalies, you can drop the cold goalies. You don't have any allegiances, I guess you would say, to any of these goalies. You're literally just playing the waiver wire, whatever's hot, whatever's the latest thing. Um, When Jonathan Quick is running good, you're running with Jonathan Quick. When James Reimer is running good, you're running with James Reimer the thing with cold streaks is you don't really know if it's just a cold streak or you know they could have an underlying injury that you never hear about uh until it's too late Uh, it could be a cold streak it could be a sign of doom so um it's hard to quantify these kinds of things with goalies and to really understand is it something they're going to snap out of and they'll turn things around and I shouldn't drop them or is this just the way they are now for the rest of the season and they're really going to tank my team if I continue to hold them. And on top of that, goalies are injury risks. Uh, it's one of the most often injured positions in the league. In in the twenty twenty one season, I did a quick study, and I found that fourteen of the thirty one. Uh, I guess you would say starting goaltenders or the goalies that got the most starts on their teams, 14 out of 31 suffered a significant injury where they missed multiple weeks uh, due to that injury. So there are constant injury risks as well. And in those times, obviously, you're scrounging the waiver wire anyway once your goalies are on the injured reserve. The other benefit that I saw was... You really don't have to worry about goalie runs in drafts if you're going with 0G. In fact, they kind of help you. You want to see the goalies run off quickly because that kind of pushes down the skater value to you in the later rounds. Um, So it's just kind of a a nice benefit in your drafts where if you're not thinking about goalies while everybody else is getting worried about the goalies that are coming off the board, um, they can be kind of forced into taking them too early and that can push down some skater value when you're in your drafts. And one thing that kind of came up uh, when I began talking about this is some people said, oh, well, in my league, uh, goalies are worth so much, you have to draft them higher. And you really don't. Uh, People brought up the example of a categories league where five of their 11 categories are goalie categories. And so their response to that uh, kind of disparity was to draft goalies early. But realistically, uh, drafting a goalie early doesn't make them any better or a better bet to return value on that draft position. Um, It doesn't improve their performance at all if you're drafting them early. Uh, Really, the only thing you can do to control uh, the goaltender variance that we see, the unpredictability of goalies, is to control how much draft capital that you're investing in the position. So obviously with 0G, you're investing very little draft capital into an unpredictable asset, which should um, mitigate your risk to that unpredictable asset. And I would just say to anyone who plays in a league where goalies are vastly overvalued like that, just don't play in leagues that overvalue goalies. Uh in my mind you're just creating more of a luck element in your league and if you're a confident fantasy manager uh, which you probably are if you're listening to this podcast let's be serious then you should not want to play in a league that elevates luck Uh, you want to play in a league that uh, kind of maximizes skill because that's where you can really outshine your league mates and bring home that championship now kind of to sum it all up i guess the overarching axiom of zero g is Obviously not to literally just draft zero goalies or to wait until a specific round, you know, round 8 or round 12 or whatever the case may be to draft your first goalie. The point is just to spend less draft capital on the position than your league mates and to kind of push all that value into your skaters. Set your skaters up to be the best group they possibly can be, hopefully the best group in the league and then kind of fill up goaltender from the waiver wire position since we know there's going to be stuff available on the waiver wire that can adequately produce and potentially even outproduce produce those uh, higher drafted goalies that your league mates wasted their money on or their draft capital, I guess, on. So that's where I was uh, with Zero-G at, uh, I guess, the beginning of last year and obviously I used the Zero-G strategy in all of my leagues this year. Uh, So after this season, I had a good season, and I wanted to go back and kind of perform the same analysis, um, getting the same data, do the the exact same thing, and see if the data suggested the exact same phenomenon that I'd seen last year had occurred again, or if there was something new that was going on this year. Uh, And this really surprised me, actually. So what I did is I performed the same analysis, you know, top 14 goalies by ADP versus the next 14 goalies by ADP. Um, And then I used Cup Full Scoring. That's the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. Um, I think it's kind of just a... solid benchmark for scoring you know you could use espn scoring or you could use yahoo scoring i like the kakufl scoring i think the guys over at keeping carlson do a great job with it and it's a league that i actually play in so it's data that's easily uh, obtainable for me to pull these fantasy finishes so in 2021 the top 14 goalies by adp so the top 14 goalies drafted on average finished with an average season rank of 24.9. The next 14, so average draft position of 15 to 28, averaged 22.3. So they actually outperformed, uh, in terms of average season finish rank, they outperformed the first 14 goalies. In 2021-22, so this past season, the top 14 goalies by ADP averaged 14.9 as a season finish rank and the next 14 goalies averaged 24.8 so 14.9 versus 24.8 whereas in 2021 that number was 24.9 versus 22.3 out of the top 14 goalies selected in 2021-22 eight of them returned top 14 finishes two of them finished 15 through 17 and four of them finished outside of rank 26, so pretty far down the list. So essentially, that was a lot of numbers I know. Uh, It was probably hard to follow uh, if you're a visual person like me and not an auditory person. But essentially what it boils down to is an obvious conclusion. This past season, goalies drafted in the top 14 generally return value on their draft position. And i'll be honest i was i was really shocked uh when i saw the numbers i went back i checked my numbers i was like am i doing something different than i did last year i spent a couple hours just trying to figure out what was going on but no i was doing the exact same analysis uh last year i had had just a scathing indictment of using high picks on goalies in my data it made no sense to spend a high pick on a goalie uh, for the 2021 season that COVID shortened season but this past season it actually hadn't been a terrible draft day investment um, based on my exact same analysis from 2021 to this past season and I got a little nervous I'm not gonna lie I kind of sat here looking at the computer I had just been preaching to the high heavens, telling everybody that I could get on my podcast how great the zero-g strategy was. I'd gotten people at Dauber to talk about it. Um, there had been just a lot of people who kind of latched on the strategy, and like, how was I going to explain it? Was my credibility at stake? Would I get laughed at by the Discord community, the people who listen to this podcast? I thought about it for a bit. The first thing that really clicked for me was how could I have just put together my personal best fantasy season across all of my leagues? I had employed this exact strategy to the extreme level. A lot of leagues, I made a point of it to not draft a goalie until literally my last two picks. Um, But somehow I had had my best season ever. Was I just getting that much better as a fantasy hockey manager? If I was actually kind of probably setting myself behind by not taking these goalies um, higher up than I should have been. I Honestly, I had a great season. I finished no worse than third in the regular season of any league I was in. I scored the six most points in all of Kukupful, 458 managers, and goalie scoring was adjusted in that league to the point where like workhorse goalies were just prime assets. So how could, I, how could I marry the fact that I had done super well in all of my leagues using this strategy to the nth degree with the idea that I had kind of put myself behind the eight ball on draft day by going this route when the goalies had actually kind of returned value, those high-ranked goalies had actually returned value. And then another thing that kind of clicked for me as well, uh, kind of at the same time, was all these discussions that I'd been having on the strategy series on this podcast, I had a lot of really intelligent guests on the podcast, uh, through the strategy series and almost to a person, they all said they pretty much agreed with the strategy. And many of them had said, yeah, we fade goalies, uh, me and all my buds that I talked to about fantasy hockey, we fade goalies. We've been doing it for years too. Um, Glad that you finally put a name to it or something like that. A lot of a lot of conversations along those lines. So how could we all collectively be wrong about this and goalies are actually safe assets? Is that is that the takeaway that we're to take from the data this year? So with that said, here's where I was wrong about Zero G. The power of the strategy was never actually in goalies being completely unpredictable. The power was in the fact that you can acquire elite tier goalie production every single year on the waiver wire. Intrinsically, 0G is less about unpredictability, while that's still an aspect of it, don't get me wrong, but it's more about the ease of replacement at the goaltender position. So I started to go back into the numbers and I started to try to quantify what I was thinking about this. So instead of season long finish ranks. I started to look at fantasy points per game for goalies, and this is where it really started to pop. Ville Huso ranked 4th in a couple fantasy points per game. Mike Smith ranked 6th. Anton Forsberg ranked 8th. Scott Wedgwood and Casey DeSmith outperformed Marc-Andre Fleury in fantasy points per game. And that's just across every single game they played all year long. As I mentioned on several of the podcasts that I put on here, I used Jake Ottinger, I use James Reimer, I used Jake Allen, I used Jonathan Quick, I used Craig Anderson, Vitek Vianicek, Carol Vemelko, all throughout the year when they were on a hot streak, and I dropped them for the next thing as soon as they fell off their pace. At the very least, in all my leagues, I was treading water at the goaltender position, and I was crushing it in the skater categories, or in skater points, because I had devoted all my draft capital into that, and I was replacing those goalie points or those goalie categories off the waiver wire with a lot of regularity and a lot of consistency throughout the entire season. Um, obviously, there were some ebbs and flows, but you're going to have ebbs and flows no matter who your goaltenders are. Um, the obvious example from this past year was Andre Vasilevsky having the worst stretch of possibly his career right in the middle of the fantasy playoffs and just absolutely destroying a lot of fantasy managers who invested first round picks in him and obviously if you had employed the zero g strategy you wouldn't have used a first round pick on andre vasilevsky you would have some other goalie who you'd have no worries about just dropping as soon as he started to decline in his performance and you would have picked up somebody on the waiver wire who would have outperformed vasilevsky for those crucial weeks in your fantasy playoffs and while we're on the topic here, Vasilevsky finished 12th in Cucupful fantasy points per game played among goaltenders. Now, among all first-round picks, so the top 12 players by a Yahoo ADP, only Brad Marchand and Artemi Panarin finished 12th or lower in Cacupful fantasy points per game played at their position. So left wing for those two. If you add in the second rounders, you add Braden Point and Robin Leonard as the only two players who also finished 12th or lower in fantasy points per game played than Andre Vasilevsky. And the thing with Vasilevsky is, too, that you're kind of double counting and shooting yourself in the foot twice, if you can say it that way. If you're having Vasilevsky, he's not performing for you. And you could be on the waiver wire getting someone who's vastly outperforming him and who could be actually winning you your goalie categories or getting you goalie points uh, at a higher rate. You're kind of shooting yourself in the foot twice there, whereas that value is not available to you in the skater market. So 28 out of the 31 skaters who are drafted in the first three rounds by ADP returned at least top 50 fantasy points per game in Kakaful. So again, that's 28 out of 31. So only three players drafted in the first three rounds, three skaters, I should say, drafted in the first three rounds fell outside the top 50 in fantasy points per game. That's such a bankable asset. That's so much better than what you can realistically expect from a goaltender, even a stud like Andre Vasilevsky. So where does this leave us? Well, I, am, I would say I am more amenable to a modified 0G, if you want to call it that, uh, especially for managers who are just not as committed to the waiver wire grind as I am or the rest of us degenerates who are looking at our fantasy leagues every waking moment and every bathroom break. But grabbing a clear workhorse in the 8th, or hopefully a little later, is a pretty viable route, it looks like. This past season, you could have had Jacob Markstrom there, you could have had Thatcher Demko there, Tristan Jari there. All those guys would fit that bill. Uh, Clear workhorses, we all knew they were going to get the work. There was nobody else behind them that you were worried about challenging them for that role. Um, And they returned really good value on those draft positions. So I am okay uh, with someone going that route, especially if they just don't have the time uh, to commit to the waiver wire grind to be finding these Husos and Forsbergs and whatnot. Now I do still think that the overall optimal strategy is the full fade. So full on wait until all the skaters that you really like are off the board and you're just kind of throwing darts, then okay, it's time to look at the goalies. And especially if you're find, you're really confident and you're finding gems consistently in the 8th or 10th or 12th or wherever you'd be looking at someone like uh, Markstrom, Demko, Yari. Um, if you're finding guys like I was this past season, Tevu Terevainen, Sam Bennett, uh, to name a couple. If you're finding guys like that in those rounds with some consistency uh, and you can replace the goaltender value off the waiver wire throughout the season then I think that still makes a lot of sense, right? You're getting the benefit of the Taravainen or the Bennett on your team for the full season but you're not really missing out on a whole lot uh, by going the waiver wire route uh, maybe in the early season while you're trying to find that guy uh, that Huso or that Forsberg maybe you give up a little bit there but that should be offset by the Taravainen and the Bennett and then hopefully uh, come playoff time you've found a guy who's gotten hot at the right time and you ride him to fantasy glory like I did with Billy Huso this year so I guess the conclusion is kind of the same as I had last year, but I was definitely wrong about some aspects of zero g. I definitely own that, and I definitely should have um, taken the time to flesh it out a little bit more and to understand what was really um what was really going on with the replacement rather than just the overall fantasy finishes because that is definitely um I guess kind of more the intrinsic value of the Zero-G strategy is the ease of replacement rather than just uh, predicting end of season finishes. The 2021 data was so bad that I kind of just didn't really look past it, I guess, and kind of dig into it a little more. Um, The season finishes were enough, it was so obvious, Uh, the top 14 goalies didn't even outperform the next 14 goalies, so why would you ever uh, go for a top 14 goalie? Um, that just made a lot of sense, and it did based on that data. Now this data kind of suggests that there is some predictability, at least in uh, this format, uh, to drafting a goalie with an earlier pick, so I'm ready to adjust. I'm willing to admit that you can target a goalie probably at the back end of that workhorse tier, and that's a viable alternative. But you know, the Husos, the Forsbergs, who won me championships this year, you combine those with the Rymers, the Quicks, the Bobrovskis who got me there, that's enough for me to be convinced that 0G is alive and well for 2022, and beyond. And the broader, I guess, takeaway from all of this, and something that I said uh, throughout all of my uh, talking about 0G all of last year, I said, you know, if data was presented that would um, indicate that 0G was not the correct strategy or the best strategy to go with, then I would definitely follow where the data led. Now, the data this year has suggested to me that uh, you can find some reasonable amount of certainty in uh, probably still the back end of that top tier of goaltenders. and that's what i'm telling you on this podcast now i'm not going to hide the data or try to massage it to fit my narrative Um, that is definitely a viable strategy based on this data but overall, I do still think the optimal strategy is to continue to take shots in your draft at finding those Terravinans and Bennett's and then continue to mine the waiver wire throughout the year just to be able to replace those points or those categories for the goalies. I think it's very doable. Every single year we find these Hussos and Forsberg's and Mike Smith's or Jack Campbell's from the year before Um, They crop up every year, they dominate for fantasy hockey, and if you're on it, you can absolutely replace and outperform your league mates uh, at the position. And that's just something you can't do at the skater position. So overall, definitely uh, some adjustment is possible this year uh, based on this data. But I am still going to be full fading, full (laughs) zero-Ging all of my leagues for next year myself and i would invite you to do the same all right folks that's all i've got for this episode hopefully it brought you some value helped you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today if the zero g strategy or anything else we provided here at apples and genos helped you in fantasy this year the best way you can say thanks is to drop a rating and review on the podcast i do read every review they all mean a lot to me Also, be sure to check out the Apples and Geno's Patreon page in the show description. You can get even more content there, and you can get fantasy advice tailored to your team all for $1 a month for the entirety of the offseason this year. So literally less than a cup of coffee per month, and you can get into the patron-only Discord, ask questions in there, and chat it up. Lastly, make sure you check out the band There There. They've supplied the music for this podcast. And that's going to be it for me, folks. Much love.